right. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, very, very happy to have you on another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Serlo, and uh, delighted, delighted that we've got uh, plenty of things to talk about this week. There's been a lot uh, moving and shaking uh, in the world of golf. So, uh, But before we get to those various items, I just wanted to uh, give you guys a nice little reminder and a news update that the newest edition of Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine uh, formerly used to be just Golf Guide, but this year we have added the great states of Washington and Hawaii to our comprehensive golf course directory magazine that is absolutely free of charge for any and every golfer wanting to get their hands on one. It is currently available at over 1,200 different locations, most of those golf courses across every state where we uh, cover the magazine from, which, if you are unfamiliar, it is a free golf course directory magazine that has information on every single golf course in the states of California, Hawaii, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. Literally every single course in the United States that touches the Pacific Ocean, except for Alaska, along with the state of Nevada is included in Pacific Coast Golf Guide's magazine directory. It's a, it's a really great, very handy little resource that I would encourage every golfer to get their hands on. Uh, it, it's just really fun. Plus, we've got some really cool editorials in there that I think you guys will really enjoy. We have a ranking of the Pacific Coast best par three courses. We have an awesome, and I mean awesome, editorial that our good friend Brett Hochstein wrote on Jack Fleming. Uh, if you are not familiar with Jack Fleming, if you are a Northern California golfer, chances are you've played one or many of his golf courses and you may have never known it. And uh, Jack Fleming's history is fascinating. He got his golf course architect, you know, he got into golf course architecture. Uh, by some guy, um, what's his name, Mac, uh, Mac Kenzie, uh, uh, Dr. Mac, uh, the Kent. Anyway, you, you guys get the idea. It, it, it's really awesome. I'm not going to spoil any more of it for you. I would really encourage you guys to pick up a copy of the magazine and read it yourself. Plus, we've got a great feature on the Pacific Coast's newest Lynx golf destination, which is Gamble Sands. Uh, the David McClay Kid 18-hole championship course is ready and open for play. It has been for a couple of years. They also have an 18-hole putting course uh, that's very similar to the Himalayas putting course at St. Andrews or the Punch Bowl at Bannon Dunes. And there is uh, some uh, discussion, some things in the mix where they could be expanding and adding a few additional golf courses here over the next couple of years. And we cover that in our article in Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine as well. So what I'm trying to communicate to you guys, and I'm not doing a very good job of doing it succinctly and concisely, is that this new magazine is awesome. I put a lot of work into it, and I think when you guys pick one up and keep it on uh, keep it on your desk at work or keep it in the center console of your car, you will be very happy that you have it because it is a wonderful resource. So check it out, Pacific Coast Golf Guide, Volume 22, available at a golf course near you. All right, and with that out of the way, everybody, let's uh, jump into it. I've got a couple of news stories that I wanted to cover with you guys this week. And so the first one of those is, uh, uh, let's just start off where we did last week, and that is with the uh, the debacle of one 2017 Masters champion Sergio Garcia. Some new, uh, I'm sorry, some new details have emerged uh, about Sergio's behavior at the event in Saudi Arabia a few weeks back, as we covered in last week's podcast. You know, Sergio got super pissed off in the middle of his round, uh, one day, you know, threw a temper tantrum in a bunker, and then the very next day damaged a bunch of putting surfaces out of frustration uh, that resulted in him being disqualified from the tournament. However, he was not suspended 
uh, from any additional European Tour events. And now with this weekend, um, the tournament taking place down at Riviera, the Genesis Open, Sergio is making his 2019 PGA Tour debut. And uh, there's been some uh, additional information that has come to light regarding his misconduct over in Saudi Arabia. This is from Rex Hoggard's uh, report on Golf Central, uh, the Golf Channel program. Uh, And this is from Sergio, quote, I received some very emotional, personal news earlier that week that didn't help. It was in the back of my mind. As I became frustrated on the course, everything erupted. End quote. Garcia told Golf Channel's Todd Lewis on Wednesday ahead of the Genesis Open. Garcia didn't go into detail about the personal news, but said he spent last week reflecting on his behavior at the European Tour event, where he damaged several greens and was disqualified for what officials deemed serious misconduct. Quote Sergio, it was a mix of some emotional and personal things going on and a little frustration uh, with the greens. End quote, said Garcia, who also issued an apology on Tuesday via social media. Uh, And this full interview uh, did air on the Golf Channel, and I believe you can find it online as well. And then uh, also the Associated Press's Doug Ferguson uh, also talked to Garcia and several of his peers. And uh, Garcia admitted that he agreed with Brooks Kepka's recent assessment. uh, And he also took hits from Rory McIlroy and Adam Scott. Again, if you guys didn't listen to last week's podcast, Brooks Garcia called Sergio's actions that of a child, uh, which I I don't know if it's better or worse than actually using like a a genuinely derogatory term. But uh, for one of your peers to just tell tell the entire, you know, golfing world that you are basically acting like a child, that one actually might might hurt even more. So um, and and to hear Sergio come out and be like, yeah, I agree with him. I was a child, you know, I guess is great. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what we can expect from Sergio going forward. I, I, I was sharply critical of Sergio in that last podcast we did, and I kind of remain that way. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where when you get a, a serious bit of bad news or something that really throws you for a loop, um, I would think that the best of the best uh, would be able to either compartmentalize that and not let it um, break through and have it, you know, alter their emotions and the way they go about their job. Or two, if it was as stressful and as uh, disturbing as it, you know, Sergio's actions in Saudi Arabia made it seem like, um, you would think at that point that maybe it would have been best for himself to uh, pull himself from the tournament. Uh, I know that's easier said than done with all the the crazy appearance fees that those, you know, Saudi murderers, I mean, I'm sorry, those Saudi um, officials had offered to um, many of, you know, the, the game's top players. So, uh, again, you know, Sergio's got a family to support. Uh, although I don't really think he's hurting uh, for money all that much. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's really interesting. I, I I don't know. I mean, I had just kind of assumed that it something else had to be going on with Sergio for a guy who, granted, has a reputation for being a little bit of a prick, um, which, you know, granted, has really dissipated over the past couple of years. He was much more of a hothead earlier in his career. Um but to be, I don't know, to regress so dramatically uh, in terms of your behavior uh, to what happened to Sergio in Saudi Arabia, you had to assume that maybe something had been happening outside of the golf course. And with this report, it was confirmed. Now, granted, you know, as it said in that quote that I gave you guys from uh, Rex Hoggard's story, um, you know, he didn't go into any detail about what exactly the personal news uh, consisted of. And to be honest, man, it's really none of our fucking business. I mean, it's uh, if it's personal, it's personal. Um, we just know that going forward, it, <laughs> Sergio, just don't ever do that again. And honestly, man, I, I'm going to be judging you 
uh, harshly and relentlessly um, for the foreseeable future, just kind of waiting to see if you freak out again. Uh, Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. That's just how I feel, and uh, I'm sure golfers uh, all across the world are probably feeling at least similar. I don't know if exactly the same, but certainly may uh, maybe looking at Sergio with some skepticism uh, going forward. So uh, the last little thing I'll leave you with the Sergio story is a quote from Rory McIlroy where he said, quote, It doesn't matter where you're from. It's not acceptable. If you've got stuff bothering you, let the course be your sanctuary. I've had to deal with that in the past, end quote. Rory beautifully said, I I wish that your rib wasn't so fucked up so you could be playing this weekend at Riviera. Uh, And really, Rory, I just want you to have a great 2019. You're another golfer that has never been my favorite guy, but damn it, when Rory plays well, he is so fucking fun to watch. So uh, best wishes to Rory, and thank you for that quote to him. Uh, I think it sums it up pretty well. And uh, yeah, with that, let's go on to the next item of business, which uh, regrettably is the story of the man now, you know, (laughs) <laughs> henceforth known as Cooch the Mooch. Um, uh, this is a story that uh, unfortunately will not go away for Matt Coocher. It's something that, uh, as a former caddy myself, I have an immense amount of interest in. Uh, and also as somebody who's always really liked Matt Coocher, uh, it, it is a story that just continues to be wildly disappointing. Um, so, it, again, I'm sure most of you listening to this podcast are well aware, but uh, I'll briefly uh, sum up that Last year, Matt Kuchar broke a several-year winless streak uh, at the Mayacoba Classic down in Mexico. His regular caddy was not able to make it, so he enlisted the services of a local caddy that goes by the name El Tucan. Um, and El Tucan helped Matt Kuchar break that winless streak to win the tournament, and with it uh, came a first-place pa- first prize of $1.3 million. Yeah, craziness. Um and so, and again, uh, and then reports had come out that Matt Kuchar had more or less stiffed him uh, and, and basically only paid him like $3,000. You know, people had asked Matt Kuchar about it, and he said, you know, hey, I didn't pay him $3,000. You know, obviously I paid him more than that, uh, but I didn't pay him, you know, the normal 10% of a winner's share either and kind of left it at that. Well, now that we're caught up, uh, Matt Kuchar recently spoke to Golf Channel's Will Gray Uh, I believe yesterday, so the Wednesday before the Genesis Open down at Riviera Country Club, and the current FedEx Cup leader and uh, all-time leading money winner without a major, um, (laughs) who also, by the way, he referred to El Toucan as his lucky charm uh, after winning the tournament. And uh, in this interview with Will Gray, Kuchar confirmed that he paid El Toucan $5,000, all right? $5,000. Again, 10% 10% of $1.3 million is $130,000, uh, which, again, is the normal fee for a caddy uh, on a winning bag. Um, paid him $5,000, and Golf.com reported that his agent afterwards uh, offered an additional $15,000 to El Toucan, uh, which he turned down as he thought uh, only paying an additional $15,000 was disrespectful, which uh, I would agree it was. Now, if I was in El Toucan's place, uh, I don't know if I would have the principle to turn something like that down when that could make such a huge difference. Um, you know, 15000 is probably better than zero. Uh, but also, I, I commend El Toucan for just standing his ground and being like, oh, fuck you, dude. $15,000? when like that's, that, that is just fucking disrespectful. Um, anyway, afterwards, uh, 
Yeah, like I said, uh, his agent offered him additional $15,000, which he refused, and the graciousness uh, of Matt Kuchar ended fairly quickly uh, when he was having his conversation with Will Gray. Here's a quote from it. Uh, Kuchar, quote, I kind of feel like, unfortunately, some other people have got it in his head that he's deserving something different uh, than what we agreed upon, end quote. Um, (laughs) uh, And to that end, you know, I guess uh, the sum that Matt Kuchar and his caddy agreed on before the tournament was $3,000, uh, and he ended up paying him 5000 So not only did Matt Kuchar fulfill his obligation of paying El Tucan, uh, or El Tucan uh, the $3,000, he gave him an additional $2,000 bonus on top of that for a cool even number of 5000 which in his mind seemed like a pretty fair and, uh, and great deal for the caddy El Tucan. Well, um, that was, I don't know, man, that was Matt Kuchar's first win in several years, okay? And I, I think it's fair to assume that he would not have won that tournament without El Tucan on his bag. Now, again, th- there's no possible way for us to know if he would have won if he, had he had his normal caddy there. Obviously, he was swinging the club great, but with all the local knowledge that, uh, that El Tucan provided to Matt Kuchar throughout the tournament, it, it is hard to believe that he would have won it without, um without his help and so <laughs> i don't know this this matt kuchar is looking like he has got a huge shit egg on his face uh and he rightly probably deserves to be getting a lot more shit um going forward uh here's another quote from that conversation with will gray quote i ended up paying him five thousand dollars and i thought that was more than what we agreed upon uh i kind of think if if he had the chance to do it all over again uh the same exact deal that he He'd say yes again, end quote. Um, <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Uh, you know, it's it, again, with all this going on and seeing the blowback that he's getting, for him to kind of take that stance of like, hey, I was super generous to this guy. You know, if there wasn't a professional golf tournament down there, you know, he might have only made a couple hundred bucks for the weekend. So I actually improved his life a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> look, it's <laughs> – I'm just laughing because as somebody who's caddied, you know – when I was a caddy, it was one of the most important jobs of my life, and not because of what I learned about golf, um, but it's because what I learned about people and how people interact with others and how a lot of people treat those people that work for them. Um, and it wasn't just a simple matter of whether somebody tipped me well or not. It also came you know, with how they treated me on the golf course, whether they respected my opinion, uh, whether they listened to me when I, they, you know, I they asked me a question or whether they just kind of asked it for, you know, the pleasantries and whatnot. It, all this kind of stuff, you know, went into it. And, you know, by the end of four hours of carrying somebody's golf bag, I could tell whether somebody was a, a good human uh, or if somebody was kind of a shithead. And Matt Kuchar is kind of finding himself in the latter uh, of those two categories. Now, I do have another quote for you guys, uh, which is not great. Uh, now, may, may I also... Uh, add here that a lot of this reporting is not just from Will Gray's interview that he had with uh, uh, Matt Kuchar yesterday at uh, Riviera. Uh, Michael Bamberger from Golf.com has also been doing a ton of reporting on this and came out with a story, I believe two days ago, that had a lot of his stuff, and he actually was able to speak with El Toucan, and that's where a lot of this information is coming from. So I did want to make sure that I did uh, source Michael Bamberger because he has been very important to all the reporting on the story. But uh, I want to share another quote with you from Matt Kuchar. Um, and this one may be the, the nail in the coffin. So, uh, quote, it's done. Listen, I, I feel like I was fair and good. Uh, you can't make everybody happy. You're not going to buy people's ability to be okay with you. 
And this seems to be a social media issue more than anything. Uh, I think it shouldn't be. Knowing that there was a complete agreed upon deal that not only did I meet, but exceeded. Um, so I, I certainly don't lose sleep over this. This is something that I'm quite happy with. Uh, and I was really happy for him to have a great week and make a good sum of money. Uh, making $5,000 is a great week. Uh, end quote. Man, I, I sure am relieved uh, that Matt Kuchar is not losing any sleep over uh, him stiffing the shit out of his uh, his caddy down uh, from his victory in Mexico last year. What? What an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> that is just I- incredible. And, uh, you know, and Jeff Shackelford had a little comment on this that I thought was uh, was interesting. That it'll be really interesting to see what the reaction is from fans and sponsors because so much of Matt Kuchar's image and his popularity has been based around this concept of him being, you know, the good guy, you know, just you know, a good old-fashioned all-American, you know, good guy. And, you know, basically based on his actions and the way he has treated his caddy, um, he does not appear to be a good guy. He appears to be that same guy I was referring to in my caddy analogy that just uh, doesn't take care of the people that work for him. Um, and that that sucks. That really really sucks. Um, and so in another interview with uh, Michael Bamberger in that golf.com article I referenced, um, you know, <laughs> Kucher said basically that someone got an El Toucan's ear referring to, uh, you know, saying that he deserved more money than he got, which, I mean, come fucking on, dude. I mean, he knows that winning caddies make 10%. Now, I just want to clarify, um, usually if you win, you get 10% if a if a guy uh, finishes in the top 10 or top 20, they get a percentage that's usually a little less than 10%. I think it's more around the 5 to 6 range. And then, you know, no matter where they finish, I think every caddy always gets like a 3 or 4% cut or something like that. So the better they finish, the larger uh, the percentage uh, the caddies get to take home. So, uh, with, that in, with that all being said, um, here's another little excerpt from that Michael Bamberger piece. And this is probably going to be, you know, close to where we uh, come to... Uh, an end here on this topic. So uh, here's an excerpt from the piece, quote, Kuchar seems slightly embarrassed that the additional sum had been offered. And he's referring to his agent offering El Toucan an additional $15,000. So after all of this, you know, controversy popped up, uh, Matt Kuchar's agent reached out to El Toucan, like I said, offered an additional $15,000. Toucan was like, yeah, no, bro, that's that's not like, I, I, I was expecting 50 to 15 is a slap in the face. No. So, all right, back to the excerpt. Uh, Kuchar seemed slightly embarrassed that the additional sum had been offered, as he felt his financial obligation to Ortiz was complete with the $5,000 payment. Asked how it came to be that the additional sum was offered, Kuchar said, quote, that was the agency, end quote. He was referring to Excel Sports Management, which represents him. Kuchar's agent there is Mark Steinberg, who also represents Tiger Woods and Justin Rose. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then here's the end of the excerpt, and then, uh, just in case those legendary cheapskate cred wasn't strong enough, uh, Kuchar smiled, uh, and here's, you know, coming from the article again, quote, it's not coming out of Steinberg's pocket. <laughs> uh, in other words, Kuchar would be paying, I mean, yeah, dude, just, I I would just like to speak for all of the caddies and all of the people out there that aren't making millions of dollars a year uh, when I say, Screw you, dude. That that you are such, You are really coming across as a huge prick right now, and uh, the golfing world does not appreciate big pieces of shit that are not uh, willing to take care of the people that help get them to the heights that they achieve in their career. So, um, Matt Kuchar, suck it, dude. <laughs> I I hope you miss the cut this weekend. 
uh, which really stinks because you have been such a joy to watch. And watching your you know soft, smooth swing that doesn't appear to be very powerful somehow keep up with all those guys and all that clubhead speed that you see on the PGA Tour uh, was really enjoyable to watch. But uh, given all of the circumstances and everything that has come to light in this, uh, I will not uh, be rooting for Matt Kuchar going forward. And uh, who knows, if the golf gods are just, uh, there will be a lot of missed cuts in Matt Kuchar's future. Okay, and now the next item of news. Uh, this one is a little bit quicker, and I'm not going to be uh, as drawn out. Uh, if you guys are aware, uh, there is a young female amateur by the name of Lucy Lee who is one of the top amateur golfers uh, in the world, and there was a controversy because she appeared in an Apple ad, uh, I think promoting the Apple Watch or some other various uh, you know, Apple technology products. Uh, this, of course, is a huge breach. Uh, in most cases, it would disqualify her from her amateur status. Um, but the USGA has made a ruling that they will allow her to keep her amateur status after they received confirmation that she received no compensation in either uh, money or products from Apple to appear in the ad. And then when they combine that with the fact that she is a minor um, and that maybe just didn't know any better, they, you know, after their investigation, they have concluded that she will be allowed to keep her amateur status, um, which I guess is good. I, I don't know what kind of a precedence this sets uh, going forward for other amateur golfers, but I would think that after this being as big a deal as it was, it will at least uh, it will at least help amateurs in the future uh, maybe stay away from uh, from such things. I know the USGA put out a huge uh, statement. Um, today that I'm sure if you go to usga.org or .com and you want to go look at it, you can find it. Um, but it does, again, it, it re, you know, reiterates that she will retain her amateur status. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Lucy Lee. Uh, we can probably look forward to seeing her in the uh, Women's USAM as well as I believe she's going to be competing in that Augusta National Women's Amateur Tournament the weekend before the Masters. So that'll be fun to watch. And uh, I look forward to seeing her there and uh, happy to see that she'll be keeping her amateur status until she eventually turns pro probably in the next uh, handful of years here. So uh, that's good for Lucy. And then finally, the last thing that I want to touch on with you guys today is uh, the tournament that happened here in Northern California last weekend, which uh, was, of course, the AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am, uh, which ended up uh, going to a Monday morning finish where none other than Phil Mickelson uh, overcame a large deficit to begin the final round on Sunday. Um and just absolutely kicked a sh just boatload of ass. Uh, Phil looked moderately unstoppable. Paul Casey, who had the lead going into the final round, just couldn't get anything together, which was a bummer because I really enjoy Paul Casey. Um, when he did win the Valspar last year, uh, granted, many of us were a little, uh, how do I say, a little icy with Paul Casey because he prevented Tiger from winning. But, you know, it was a great win for Paul. He has always been, you know, uh, one of the the best examples of a great player with a great swing and an overall good guy that uh, I look to as a uh, as an example of how to behave and how to conduct yourself on the PGA Tour. So it was sad to see Paul not be able to get it together and finish off Phil. But, I mean, shit, man, if you guys were watching that final round on Sunday, Phil just looked like he was a man on a mission. And uh, especially coming through that back nine, dude, he just was not missing. And uh, the one thing, if you haven't seen it before, is Phil begging the officials uh, of the tournament to be able to finish his round on Sunday in complete darkness uh, late on Sunday night. Uh, the reason that it was, you know, delayed is because there was weather issues earlier in the day that post, you know, postponed everything by a couple of hours. And so the final, I think, two groups were not able to finish on Sunday, so he had to play his final 
a couple of holes on Monday morning. Uh, but by the time they, you know, basically suspended play on Sunday night, he had, I think, a three or four shot lead over Paul Casey and the rest of the field. So unless he really imploded on Monday morning, Phil was going to bring home uh, the bacon, uh, which he did. It just played an absolutely uh, textbook dominant performance by Phil Mickelson. I, is his 44th professional victory? It's incredible. Um, Phil, surefire Hall of Famer. I, he's now won several times at Pebble Beach. Um, and I'm really fascinated to see uh, what kind of momentum he's going to be taking uh, from this tournament uh, as the U.S. Open is also going to be contested at Pebble Beach this year. Um, so Phil will go in as the pro to most recently have won at Pebble Beach, uh, which is going to be awesome. I mean, you think about <laughs> you think about Phil winning this. Tiger had the most single, singly dominant U.S. Open victory in history at Pebble Beach, and it's going to make for a really fun uh, and exciting U.S. Open at Pebble this summer. Uh, and with that, that's going to be it, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. If you want to support us, uh, we don't want your money. All we want is your time in the form of an iTunes review. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to go leave us a review on iTunes. Everyone you leave is very much appreciated. Um, and, yeah, it, it goes a long way in helping us uh, reach more people with the podcast. So um, with that all being said, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you enjoy the tournament down in Riviera. Um, I know they've had some rain here on Thursday morning. They're about to restart play here uh, closer to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't, I can't imagine they're going to be getting all the golf done with uh, the sunlight being somewhat limited since we have not reached daylight savings yet. But uh, it's going to be an amazing golf tournament. And also, this is going to be a two-podcast week. I have the second portion of my podcast with Jess Stemak, uh, where we are going to be kind of previewing the entire 2019 PGA Tour season post-West Coast Swing. We recorded it. A couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to be releasing that as a podcast here in the next day or two. So after you get this one, you'll have uh, me and Jess to uh, listen to if you need something uh, to put in your ears over the weekend. So until then, uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I hope you guys enjoy the golf this weekend, and I hope if the weather here on the West Coast gets a little better than what it's been the last few days and the rain clears up, uh, hopefully you'll be able to get out and enjoy some golf yourself. So until next time, adios, everybody. Take care. Take care.